from my perspective, active, passive, fixed income, equity, there's so much going on. So many funds being launched, so many ESG layers being put onto funds, people being hired. It just feels like the whole industry is, there's so much momentum behind ESG, even more so over the last two, three months. Are the asset, is the asset management industry doing enough though? Do you think they could be doing a lot more? Emily, you had some strong views on this. Yeah, I don't actually think the question is, are people doing enough? Because I think the reality is it will never be enough because environmental and social change is happening faster than ever. And it's going to be a continuous evolution to keeping up with understanding those changes and integrating that into your investment thought process. So it's not a tick box exercise of yes, you've completed your ESG, it will be a continuous evolution. Um, we actually have quite a broad view of what people are doing in the market because being an um, open architecture wealth manager means we invest in third party funds and we actually look to analyse all of those fund managers for how they approach ESG um, both at the firm level and also within their strategies. Uh, and it's been incredibly interesting. Obviously, we've seen a huge increase in activity, particularly over the last two years and lots of managers creating better and more robust policies. Um, but the, the quality of the approaches is still very broad and to put that into context, so we've reviewed over 80 different asset managers that we, or fund managers that we invest with and we give them a rating between naught to five to try and quantify in our head who is leading with five being um, real, real strong ESG. And actually at this time, the majority of our managers are still kind of falling in the midway mark, if not um, leaning towards the lower scoring. And there's only a very small handful that we would classify as actually leading. Um, so yes, there has been improvements made um, and we're seeing a kind of broad adoption across the industry, which is great but the, the scale and um, sophistication of the approaches is still very broad and I think there's still quite a long way to go. Yeah, I kind of, I endorse that point because we do the same. And you, you know, just because a house will say it has this wonderful process, this, that and the other, that's at one level. You've then got to worry about what the individual teams are doing within that and there'll be massive differences. And so the amount of work for our fund research team you know, to look at this when they're making those decisions. You can't just accept what's being said at house level. It has to drill into those different teams and you'll see some really big differences. Yeah, just to, ex just, just to expand on that. Um, yeah, you, you have funds out there where ESG teams are essentially a bit like compliance. So they are used um, kind of quite sparingly. They get in they're, they're not integral actually to some of the decision making they're they're almost like a kind of um a, a layer of bureaucracy the way that the fund managers use them um and that will be marketed by the fund in exactly the same way um as an esg team who are entirely integral to the investment analysis going on within a fund so it's a big danger actually if you look at the number of funds that have added an esg slide into their main decks added an ESG paragraph into their um, um, prospectus. Um, and, and it's getting more sophisticated because 
fund managers are very, or the good ones are good at um, gathering assets. So you can go further now, you can start mapping your holdings to the UN sustainable development goals. And if you look at the way that is done, that can also be quite spurious. So um, it's kind of an opportunity, but you have to be really, really careful. Yeah, um, I think I think there's lots more that we could do um, in in ESG as asset management. But um, I was also I was also thinking about um, what what can we as asset managers do ourselves um, to be more ESG aware. So um, as well as, as looking at how you're uh, screening companies or screening funds and, and the different ways you can do it, you need to look at yourself and say, as as an asset manager, are you um, espousing those those same sort of ESG things within your own business? Uh, so are, have you got strong CSR policies? Um, do you do lots of recycling? Um, how diverse are you? Um, and these are the sort of questions that we should be asking ourselves too. And especially um, now with um, the folk, we mentioned the folk, big focus on uh, the social bit of ESG that's come up as, as part of um, the COVID crisis. And, uh, and that's something that I think a lot of companies are going to have to uh, look hard at, asset managers, because uh, the people who work for them are working from home and, we, and, um, and some of them are finding it very stressful. So all of these sort of things are things that as asset managers we should be doing to ourselves. Yeah, it is. It's the whole people who live in glass houses concept. Uh, you know, <laughs> certainly conversations we've had with companies, I've kind of been on to our, you know, corporate affairs responsible business, so kind of saying, what are we doing? Because you don't want that scenario where you're not, you, you're not, not walking the talk, are you? Um, so that's extremely important that we do actually behave in that way. And we, there are some massive issues in the wealth management industry around diversity and, you know, in particular. Um, and I know that you, know, you, you want to invest in these companies that are doing something about it or probably work for them, one of them anyway. That is interesting. So what we're saying here is that you could have an asset manager or a wealth management firm that has a really strong ESG proposition from an investment point of view, but the company itself is not necessarily ESG friendly and no. which would stop you from investing in in what is a, a good ESG product to all intents and purposes. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, I'd say it's a client perspective because we have clients, you know, they're not just asking us, can you provide this investment solution or whatever, but actually what do you do as a firm? You know, what behaviours do you have? So I think from the investor perspective, when they're looking at someone who is going to think about ESG sustainability impact, they want to know, well, actually, how do you behave as the firm? Because otherwise there's such a mismatch between the two. Yeah, and any, I, sorry, Patrick. I think, I would, yeah, I'll let you go on, Patrick. All I was going to say is, um, I think it can get quite um, complicated when we start going down this route, actually. Um, because are we? Because there are a lot of clients who still do want performance. So, um, are they genuinely comfortable with you choosing uh, a fund team who have less expertise in a particular area, but may not be um, absolute industry leaders as a firm themselves? Um, are they very comfortable with you making that decision? Um, Will they accept that? Um, maybe they will, but I think it can, it can create quite a lot of questions. Um, similarly, similarly are, are they 
um, happy to forego performance or, or governance, for, for example, um, to invest in an environmentally really progressive idea? Um, or are they, um, would the, do they want to marry them to the two? So it's, it gets quite tricky, actually, when you start drilling down. Sorry, to kind of clarify, I was talking about what investors, you know, what our clients are looking for from us, rather Got than it. necessarily it being okay. a hygiene test. Um, mm. So I think it's more from the client perspective, they want to be with investment managers who are thinking about how they conduct themselves far more. But I think what will happen over time is frankly, why are you going to, if someone's sitting there espousing all these things, are you not going to go, well, hang on a minute, let's look at the behaviours. But I think that's some way off. I think that's a really good point. Um, and we have seen lots of asset managers trying to make positive progress within their own business. Um, our firm in itself has committed to being carbon neutral from the beginning of this year. Um, we've signed the UN Global Compact Statement, which is the 10 principles on how to be a sustainable business in yourself. So we're trying to reflect that we want our own sustainable actions to um, align with what we're expecting and asking of the companies that we're investing in ourselves. Um, I think back to um, Patrick's point, I don't actually think that it has to be one or the other. I don't think clients should have to say, I want to invest in a more environmentally sustainable way, but that's going to give up returns. That very much used to be the opinion that in order to invest in a sustainable or responsible way, you had to forego an element of financial performance. But the last five years have demonstrated that both in upward trending markets and also in downturns, actually good ESG strategies can deliver outperformance. Um, Sorry, I'll just clarify. I, I, I didn't mean it in terms of performance. I'm, I'm talking about governance. So... Um, if you're invested, if you look at a lot of um, very environmentally important companies um, have quite poor governance. So um, that's a trade-off that can be quite tricky um, if you have a client who wants both. But yeah, no, I wasn't making a comment about underperformance. That's a really fair point. And absolutely, you need to be thinking about your impact on all of your stakeholders. So I'm sure you're all familiar with the stakeholder model, which is what we manage our own um, sustainable investments to, which is the consideration of all of the stakeholders that you're impacting, which absolutely includes the environment, but also looks at your relationship with the regulators, your governance structures, your employees, suppliers, etc. So you can't sacrifice one um, for the benefit of the other because that can ultimately derail the business in the long term. We're coming to the end here. So can I just ask one final question, which I'd, I'd like you all to answer if that's okay. And it's, it's about this crisis, this terrible crisis we're going through right now. And um, what do you think, ultimately, what do you think the, the impact of this pandemic will be on ESG as a concept? I think it'll be raising um, the awareness of the S bit of it massively. Um, and I think um, people are going to be uh, looking hard at um, how, how people uh, generally are being treated and one of the main one of the main things that I was uh, thinking about today was mental health awareness because it's going to be uh, mental health awareness week next week and um, and the theme is kindness and I think that um, the of 
people will will start to think about um, how bad how the um, I think people like the health workers who've been in, in, in hospitals have had such a dreadful time and they are and, and a lot of other people are going to be affected and perhaps get PTSD as a result of this COVID crisis and so I see a lot more emphasis on the, on the S of um, ESG um, and, um, and I hope we will rise to the challenge and, 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 and deal with it properly. Yes, I really hope so. It'd be terrible if we, we just went back to the way we were, hey? Um, thank you, Camilla. Gemma? I mean, I think it's interesting. I've been around for far too long, and I remember 2007, and ESG was this wonderful thing, and it was fantastic. We had the financial crisis, and everyone's like, forget it, I just want to make money. I absolutely believe it's different this time. I think there's regulatory pushes, but I also think there's the consumer awareness element as well. I think, you know, going back a bit, you know, climate change has a potential, is, has a huge societal impact. We are going to think about society a whole lot more, but also I think it's actually going to be mixing in with the G. And I think more and more we are going to be holding companies to account about outcomes, about how they've behaved. You know, it used to be, Daddy, what did you do in the war? And I think it will be management, what did you do during the COVID crisis, um, frankly? And I think that, I think that's, it, it's a, positive step out of a really grim situation yeah that's great that that's thank you Gemma who wants to go next I'll go I'll go next um yeah I mean I'd echo the the two points just made um I think on this decision of what shareholder value actually means um I think the the game has genuinely changed because um you ultimately have enormous um institutional shareholders who own the bulk of all the stocks and actually you're in an environment where it's probably better to forgo some short-term profits and keep your employees employed um, because that might help the wider economy. And I think you're getting those kind of debates. Um, and that, that comment of, Daddy, what did you do in the war? Um, you're kind of, you, you saw that with Amazon um, a week or so ago. Shareholders, are you sitting comfortably? We're gonna put the four billion profit into vaccinating our workforce. And that, I mean, I, I just think it, it, it is genuinely um, a, a very, very different mentality now. And, and, I, and I don't think we're going backwards. Yeah, I agree. I think shareholder supremacy is over <coughs> and the recognition that all stakeholders need to be protected is of growing focus. And I, I love that comment of um, company, what did you do during the COVID crisis? I think that's very fitting. What, what's been nice to see is kind of the development of a new social contract, um, a recognition of the impact that companies have on society. And this development that we've seen where you've actually got corporates and governments working together towards a common cause. So governments have been calling on the assets and the reserves of the private sector in order to help with the humanitarian crisis and in um, reward for their efforts, um, governments are giving tax breaks and you know, helping furlough staff so that those corporates can keep going. And it's been great to see this new establishment of those two private and public sectors working together towards a common goal. And I hope that that continues. And I think absolutely there will be a greater focus on how, com com um, how companies treated their employees, 
um, what was job security like, what have been the conditioning going back to work. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a good change, I think. Thank you, Emily. A last word to you, Damien. Um, so I agree with all the points raised. So if I take a different angle, to me, what investors are going to remember from this is that uh, ESG has been put at the test and um, the performance, the performance angle to me is really key here. So what's really interesting is that uh, if you take, for example, MSCI, they've got five ESG indices. They all have outperformed their parent index without any screening. And what's really interesting is that the more stringent the screening, the better the performance. So to me, you know, for all asset managers, this is a max, I mean, this is a really good wake-up call that if they have not yet embedded ESG or if they're only doing it lightly, now is really the time to actually, they, sorry, they, they just can't wait anymore. Now they need to embed that in their process. Mm -hmm.